Thanks for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. In today's sermon, we wrap up the series of the life of David. Join us in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Chapter 23, verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, the spirit of the Lord spake by me and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. Who can say amen to that? And he shall be as the light of the morning. And when the sun riseth, even morning without clouds, as the tender grass springeth out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and for and sure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. And that doesn't surprise you coming from a warrior, right? Mm. Verse 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. And the same was Adino, the Ezanite, who lift up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. And after that was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. Don't you love these names? Dodo. I wasn't about to say it the other way. I'm not planting any seeds. And when they defiled the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave, that means was stuck to, under the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite, Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together uh, into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood. Now everyone else ran away, but he stood up in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. And three of the 30 chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hold 
and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. In other words, their territories had been seized by the enemy. And David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three, the three we just spoke of, these men who did mighty exploits, and the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem. In other words, three men went down and fought an army, a garrison of soldiers to get David a drink. And they drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. So they fought their way in, fought their way out. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but he poured it out unto the Lord. He realized the sacrifice these men had made and the fact that they put their life in jeopardy. And when they brought it to him, he was so humbled he couldn't drink it. He said this in his heart, in his mind, this water is now holy. And he gave it to God. How many would like to quench the thirst of God? Mm. Do you know you can? Give him your worship. Verse 17, and he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Then Abishai, the father of Joab, the son of that guy, Zerahui. You know, it's funny when you practice these in your head. They go perfect. But when you get up here, you can't say them for your life. Was chief among three, and he lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them and had the name among the three. In other words, he was popular with the other three who had been exalted unto a status underneath the king and was not the most honorable of the three. In other words, even though he did this great exploit, he was not lifted up as in high esteem as them, yet was accepted into their company. Therefore, he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. In other words, he set up the second three. The first three were David's inner circle. Then he set up the next circle underneath the inner circle. And ben, Benaiah, Benaniah, the son of Johadiah, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lions like men of Moab. And he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaniah, the son of Johadiah, and had the name among the three mighty men. There were three more men. One of them is not named who was lifted into that second, that second circle of three. And then from verse 23 all the way down to verse 39, the other men in David's mighty men are named. But I want to draw your attention to the very last verse, if we can, number 39. Uriah, 
the Hittite, 37 and 7 in all. So David had 37 mighty men, men that he could count on, men of renown, men who were men of great valor. And they worked with David and for David and would have, were so loyal, they risked their life even to get the man a drink. That's loyalty. And how many understand that if we're going to operate in the kingdom of God's blessing, we must operate in the order of God. So I want to share with you for just a moment, if I'm titling today, here's the title. Look at your neighbor intently because I want you to repeat this. Who are you hanging with? Who are you hanging with? Mm-hmm. Some of you were looking over your glasses like, who are you hanging with? David, ladies and gentlemen, had a reputation. Oh, I know. I feel like that too sometimes. That's how I sound before the Lord answers me in prayer. Oh, he's a sweetheart. I'm just being honorary. David had a reputation. His reputation was he loved God and was tender before him. How many would love to have that reputation? He was fearless in battle. He was a giant killer. How many of you love to kill the giants that try to raise up in your life? He was a fair and generous man. He was hot-headed and easily angered, which leans a little more to the weakness side, but to counter-react that, he was a man who was willing, willing to listen to reason. He was a man of deep thought, especially when in worship. And he was handsome and charismatic and easy to follow. He had that kind of personality that drew you in, that made you want to side with him. Now, I dare say that it wasn't his personality as much as it was his anointing. Because the anointing will make you attractive. Can I just help you? Many men have gotten in trouble because the anointing attracts people to you. And if we ever confuse the fact that we have an anointing that is attractive with the fact that we're all that in a handbag. We're in trouble. And we'll set ourselves up for a great fall if we get our mind in the wrong place. We must keep in mind that it is the anointing that draws people to us. And so if someone gets a little too enamored, you better be quick to bring the glory to God and let them know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you won't break a covenant with God or with your spouse who can say amen to that. David also had some weaknesses. I mentioned that he was easily angered. He had an eye for the ladies. He spoiled his children and would not discipline them. And it came back to bite him. And he lost his son to death because of it. He let lust lead him into compound sin with Bathsheba. 
And he was guilty of shedding innocent blood because of that compound sin which led to murder. Now when you measure his weaknesses against his good attributes, they don't exactly measure up. But God. Aren't you glad for God? Every leader has strengths and weaknesses. And for you to follow a leader, you must learn how to glean from his strengths and how to bypass his weaknesses. Some people are charismatic and because of the anointing attracts people to them, they lead people astray sometimes because they'll lead people into their weaknesses and not into their strengths. But this is your responsibility in the kingdom of God to study out God's order, to study out God's truth, and to understand that loyalty is good as long as the leader isn't leading you away from the truth. If the leader's leading you away from the truth, you have no more loyalty in that sense. You must stay with the word of God. Is everybody with me so far? So David had 37 men that he poured himself into. This is during the time of his wilderness stay. And they in turn poured themselves into the rest. They defended David in good times and in bad. And the only hiccup that they ever had was at Ziklag when they came in and their camp had been raided and suddenly they felt the power of grief and loss. And in that moment, they almost, they almost stoned to death their leader. Had their leader not known where to go for his strength in that moment, where to get the answers that he needed for the moment they were in, David may have lost his life by his own men. But in that instant, in that moment, he knew God is my only refuge. When you get into a situation that seems hopeless and impossible, remember God is your refuge. Who can say amen to that? Of the 37, he had three. He trusted more of these three, and they had earned their way into David's favor by their heart of courage. Um, in this particular rendering, it gave a different name. But when I read it before, uh, when I was making my notes, uh, the first man's name is Joshua, Josheb Bashabeth. Josheb Bashabeth. I'm not going to say that three times as quickly as I can. Josheb Bashabeth <laughs> killed 800 men single-handedly in one battle. He was the overseer of all 37, but the leader of the inner circle of three. Eliezer fought so hard in battle that when the battle was over, they had to literally pry his hand off of the sword. I kind of been feeling like maybe that's what we're going to have to do to Pastor Steve to get the hammer out of his hand. I mean, he's been fighting a valiant battle back there. And I don't want to just, just say him alone because I know many of you have been helping. And, and if, if I could just get Christian down out of the rafters from all the electrical work he's done. Wow. But Eliezer fought so hard that his hand became one with his weapon. It was so atrophied against it, so, so 
locked around the handle. He couldn't let it go. I wish we had that kind of bulldog tenacity with our faith that we're so locked in, we're just not going to let anything detour us, but we'll stay in the fight. I'll just go to bed with my hand locked on my sword. I want that kind of faith, don't you? Mm. And then third was Shama. Shama was unwilling to give up ground uh, from the enemy and he single-handedly held off an attack in an Israelite bean field. Everyone else took off because the armies came, but he stood there and took out 300 men single-handedly. 300 men. Mm. Think about that. Those must have been some powerful beans. Mm. Especially if we could get a little cornbread to go with those beans. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to quit. These men, these three, overheard David in a moment of reflection when he heard that the enemy had his home territory. Something rose up in him. Have you ever had those moments you just wish you could go back? You ever had moments you just wish you could go back? And he was having that moment when he heard that his home region had been overtaken. And David's having a reflection in his heart. And in his mind, he's getting a thirst for the water from the well of Bethlehem. Probably wasn't any better than the water that he had near him. But in your mind, you romanticize your past. And he's thinking, if I could just get a drink from the well... And these men fought through the Philistine army and got water for David to drink. And they fought their way back and brought it to him. And David was standing there in his hand. These three men that he trusted so handed him the desire of his heart. There are moments in a leader's life when you, if you truly love the Lord, you're humbled when the people who work with you, who've partnered with you, give blessings into your hand, you sometimes don't even really know how to adequately thank them. And every time someone blesses you that way, I always just go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I know the sacrifice it takes sometimes for people to give the way that they give. And so David has just been handed this blessing and he's so moved by what these men have done that he just can't dare drink it himself. And so he turns it into an offering to the Lord saying, God, I may be thirsty, but you alone are worthy. I don't know how those men felt about that. We fought through the army twice. I don't know how they felt about that. But I love the heart of David in that moment. Because David was saying, Father, I have desires, but they pale compared to my love and my desire for you. 
You are more important to me than this drink of water. You are more important to me than the sacrifice these men have made. And I will not take their sacrifice and waste it and lavish it just upon myself when I could give it to your glory. Is this too hard? So David didn't want to live in regret saying, Lord, you deserve this. Then came Abishai. Abishai killed 300 men in battle by himself and was made, uh, a, uh, and was made uh, a captain of another three great men who were with David on the second tier of David's leadership. And I love this story. I've preached this story two or three times. Benaiah. Benaiah killed two lions at once. Oh my gosh. Have you ever been to the zoo and walked by a lion cage and just had them walk by you and feel their breath? Oh my word. I'm a 200-pound man. <laughs> but when I see one of those majestic 500-pound cats... I'm like, here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> you see them walking, them paws are bigger than your head. Boom. And they're walking and they're stalking and they're looking out of that cage. And you just know when they look at you, they see a raw piece of meat. And if they give even the slightest growl, the slightest underneath, it goes through you. That's why when a lion roars in the jungle, it paralyzes everything because there's just something in that sound. And guess how Jesus is returning? There is something in that sound. Mm. But he kills two lions at once. That's one thing to go after one. Samson, you know, Samson had one, right? Benaniah killed two at once. Then, on another occasion, he locks eyes with a lion who's out of place. And the lion is not bothering him. The lion goes into a den. Guess where Benaniah went. He's like, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you dead. Oh, no, you did. He's like, you don't look at me like that and then walk away. I'm coming after you. <laughs> Think about that. He went in to the darkness. Did you know that a lion can see multiplied times better than you in the dark? He walks into a dark cave. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. And it says, in a more detailed uh, thing, it says he grabbed him by the, the chinny whiskers and gave him a flailing. And it was snowy outside. I didn't even know it snowed in that region. And he goes in, and you see, you see massive paw prints go in, and then you see these little men's footprints follow. 
But when all the ruckus is over and all the echoing is done in the cave, those little footprints are the only ones that come back out. Mm -hmm. And these are the guys that played cards with David. These guys were just oh, second tier. Every one of them a champion. <laughs> and then it goes on and names the other 30. The one thing to help you get your mind around these men's exploits is that each one followed the Lord. Watch this. Every time one of them kills 800 people, one of them kills 300 people. One of them fights until he can't get his hand off his sword. But every exploit that is spoken about says, and the Lord gave a great victory that day. Oh, you don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even get it because I ain't told you yet. Here's what you need to understand. They weren't special. They weren't special. They were anointed. They were anointed. In other words, these great exploits was by the hand of God. Don't count yourself out. Don't think you can do nothing. You can do all things. If the Lord prompts you to stand and fight, stand and fight. Because he's going to give you the victory. Whatever the Lord prompts you to do, if he prompts you to lay hands on the sick, do it in holy boldness. Pow! I believe in that God's going to back my play. If God prompts you, don't back away. Don't back down. These were men of faith. They saw David do it, and because they hung around with David, they just didn't have a doubt in their heart or their mind that they couldn't do it too. Mm. Look at this. So when God empowers us for the impossible... We can do the impossible. These men did things above a man's ability to do. But by faith in God, they did the impossible. Now this is impressive because these men did mighty exploits and all, every bit of it as impressive as the exploits of David himself. But here is the earmark of a good leader. 
A good leader understands and identifies the gifts in those who serves with him. And when he sees the gift in you, like Benaniah, he goes after it to drag it out. When the leader sees that there's strength, how many understand that, that David as king couldn't be king by himself? Wouldn't that be a pitiful mess? Sitting on the throne with a scepter with no one to rule. No, he needed people with him to side with him to carry out the vision that God had placed upon his heart. He needed to help encourage and hone and loose those talents. He believed in those around him. He embraced their strengths and helped correct their weaknesses. Then he let them do what they do best. Pastor Steve has tried his best to keep me out of that side of the building with construction. He's like, let me fight this battle, Pastor, because we've seen what you do. <laughs> so you know what job they gave me the other day? It's a wonderful job. They gave me the job of painting all the wood with lacquer. I popped that lid open and went, And, and he gave me a, he gave me a, a four inch roller. I'm just, he gave me both. I'm just being ornery. And when I got done, I was going tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> I gotta quit. I gotta quit. I can I can tell the reds in the house are going stop it. <laughs> But see, that's his anointing and his gifting. And why would I get in the middle of his anointing and his gifting and try to tell him how it's done? You know, that was a crack of me. No, he doesn't need me to do that. He needs me to empower him to carry out what God's anointed him to do. Who can say amen to that? And can I just say this? I know you're from Cornerstone. So glad that you're with us today. But Passion Church is one of the strongest churches at the core I have ever had the honor to serve in. I mean, everyone here wants to be in their place, wants to carry out their giftedness, wants to do. In fact, I'm scrambling to find enough areas for everyone to work in. Isn't that a wonderful problem? Hmm. We have mighty men and women in charge of the areas of service who are ready and willing at all times to add their strength to the sum total of the victories of Passion Church. You know, the senior leader is only as strong as those who help him in the battle for victory. I could run all over town and tout, hey, I'm the senior pastor of Asian Church. And that's about how it be received. They're like, oh, so? Right? But what makes people 
raise their eyebrows when I shake their hand is they've heard what you do. And that excites me to the core of who I am because your reputation precedes the church. Mm. We have those who build till they can't hold a hammer any longer. We have those who add to the specialized areas of construction in this place, such as electricians, men that paint bathroom floors and put glitter on it. <laughs> Dig trenches from the road all the way up. Break the concrete in the back. Those that repair the wires that we broke when we broke the concrete. We didn't know. Leave us alone. But let's bring it down even more. There are those who clean. You think that's not important to come into a clean house? What if we didn't clean? What if no one cleaned? What would it look like every week when we came in here? And those people are the ones who rarely ever are ever talked about. If you've ever cleaned this church, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. We, I got to hurry because I'm already past. Those who teach those who organize, those who raise funds, those who give and give and give, those who endure long, arduous meetings on Mondays, those who organize, report, and watch over our finances to keep things right and righteous. Just got one of those messages today. We have those who fast and pray, those who lead men, those who lead women, those who lead teens, those who lead our children. We today are about to advance our territory. We're about to stretch our tent stakes. We're about to have the opportunity to fill that side of the building. And it's because, like David, I have circles of men and women who know how to put their hand to the plow, know how to go into battle with me, sometimes have to hold me up. There were times when David got into battle, and once he went to slay a giant, but by this time he was getting too old, and one of his soldiers shoved him out of the way and said, leave the giants to us, because if we lose you, we lose the light and the anointing. So you you stand back and we'll take care of the heavy work for you, David. Mm -hmm. We're about to take new territory. We have favor, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you know this or not. We have favor in this city. In City Hall. Our name is positive in City Hall because we spend time with them. We were invited this year. Last year, you remember we did the 4th of July in the park at the city's request? This year, we've been given the request to come out to the airport. They're going to have uh, what do they call those hot air balloons. Hey, you know, I just, I just took that personal. They invited me, the pastor, to preach at a hot air balloon contest. That just dawned on me. Now I know why we got favor. 
Mm, that ain't even right. Oh, I, and that's one of the inner three. We have favor with business owners in this community. We have covers. We have covers? I mistyped it. We have covers. It's supposed to say our prayers cover our city. We declare over our city. We don't declare that Passion Church would be the big thing. We don't, we don't, we pray that Jesus will be the big thing. That revival will be the big thing. That people will be able to find Christ in every corner of this community and the region and the zones around us because we take time to declare to the heavenlies the power and the majesty of our God. Mm -hmm. And so we declare that there's new business. We declare that there's industry. We declare that there are people moving into this community. We declare that it will fulfill the assignment that this region was originally given in the beginning. We're going to see what God called this to be. We call it the crossroads, but God's calling it the cross. He's calling them to the cross, the cross of Calvary, the cross of revival. He's bringing people here. This was once touted to be as large as St. Louis. I don't know that it ever get there only God knows that but I believe if that was the original assignment then why would we ever back away from that and let's keep declaring and let's keep declaring and let's keep praying and let's keep praying until God says it's through okay last line closing one here we go today is David's mighty men passion church we are sold out we are sold out to God. We're God-fearing group of people who have no problem declaring war over our city and our region and our towns and our hamlets and our zip codes because they all belong to the kingdom of Jesus. And today, the kingdom advances. If you believe me, say yes. Raise your hand and, de and declare with me, Lord Jesus, today we declare we are the children of the kingdom, the sons of God. We declare revival will split this region wide open and cause us to stretch out our tent stakes in every direction until Jesus is recognized as Lord of this entire zone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen.
Father, we thank you for this day. And I thank you for these beautiful hearts. And I thank you, Father, as we end our little time with David, Father, that you'll remind us, Father, that David was only able to do what David did because he was anointed. And at the end of the chapter, Father, it was left that one glaring thing in his face where he wasn't in the right place at the right time. When he should have been doing kingly duties, he was in a state of burnout and his eyes beheld something that did not belong to him and he took it by force. And that last name on the list was Uriah. God, I pray that we will learn from David's weaknesses and stay strong in our strengths that will not mar the name of the Most High, but declare his good works to the sounding of the trump. It is our heart and our commitment to leave behind a lasting legacy to the name above every other name. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for our new ground and our new territory. And we give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' beautiful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.